Thank you uh, so much for making us feel welcome this morning um, at the breakfast. Uh, he said we had a good time at the q and I, I think some of you all maybe had a better time than me, but, um, but uh, I appreciate the questions. Um, and, you know, as Richard was, got up to talk at the end there, he's talking about waiting on the Lord. It's ironic, not by accident probably, but this has uh, a lot to do with our message today. If you would, please turn to Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah 40 is an interesting chapter. The first 39 chapters deals with God's judgment on the people of Israel. They have rebelled against him. They have um, idols. They're worshiping false gods. And so the first 39 chapters of Isaiah deal with God's judgment on them. But as you start reading chapter 40, you notice a change in the message, a change in the tone. It's a message of hope. It's a message of comfort. And so the, the last 27 chapters of Isaiah deal with God, telling them what he's going to do for them, reminding them that he hasn't forgotten them. And of course, the most familiar verse probably to a lot of us in this chapter would be the last verse talking, talking about mounting up with wings as eagles. And so this morning, what I want to share with you is this, the message of hope, the hope of God's character. As we look out in our society, as, as our world, you see a lot of things happening, and you wonder where's the hope? Where do we go to? What, what's happening in our, in our society? Whether it's, you know, we have an, an, another election, hard to believe another election is right around the corner. It's coming up soon. You have the, the conflict in Ukraine, conflict in Israel. You have situations in your own personal life, maybe relationship stress, maybe conflict in, within your family, maybe financial stress and, and burdens, maybe sickness and illness or even death in your families, in your lives, in your friends, in your neighbors. And there's many times we look, at, we look at our lives and we look at the world and we say, where's the hope? Where, what do we do in this? What do we do with this mess in our lives and the mess in the world? Even our young people even are being bombarded with this, this message of transgenderism. You can be whoever you want, however you want. And you say, well, how do we handle that? How do we deal? Who do we go to? Of course, you know the answer. The answer is we go to God for hope. I came across this article, Major Harold Kushner. He was a prisoner during the Vietnam War. He was a prisoner to the Viet Cong. And he tells the story about how he was a prisoner, and there was a 24-year-old Marine with him that was also a prisoner. And this 24-year-old Marine, he made a deal with, it, with this commander of this prison. He said, the, pr- the commander said, if you do what you're supposed to do, you do it well, I will eventually let you go. So the Marine was very excited about this. So he did his chores, he did his duties, he did everything the way he was supposed to do them. But after a while, the 24-year-old Marine realized he wasn't going to be set free. That was never going to happen. And so what happened in his life, in his mind, he shut down. He stopped doing his task, he stopped eating, he stopped drinking. And the major... Harold Kushner tells the story how he just laid in his cot and stared off. He was apathetic. He had no enthusiasm about anything anymore. He was done. He realized he was never going to be set free. And so hopelessness set in in his life. And after a few weeks of just laying in his cot, not eating, not drinking, not socializing, not interacting with the other prisoners, not doing his chores, he passed away. I share that story with you because every human being needs hope. 
You know, in that same article, there was a doctor, he, he gave this quote. He said, since my early years as a physician, I learned that taking away hope is to most people like pronouncing a death sentence. They're already hard-pressed, will to live, can become paralyzed, and they may give up and die. Actually, the prisoners of Vietnam and Korea, and the doctors gave this a, a nickname. They called it give up-itis, where a prisoner was prisoner so long, they felt like they're never going to be rescued, never going to see their family and friends again, they're never going to go back to America, and so they would just shut down and they would give up. And after just a few weeks or a month, their bodies would give out and they would die. Why? Because they had no hope. They'd given up hope. So every person in this room and every person outside of these four walls longs for hope. Every, everybody needs hope. And so as we look at this text, I want you to realize the background on this text. In chapter 39, verses 5 and 6, Isaiah, this is a prophecy. He's giving the prophecy. This is what's going to happen several years down the road. What's going to happen is Israel is going to be captive to Babylon. And he tells them that in, in chapter 39. He tells the king, excuse me, king Hezekiah that in verse 5 and 6. He tells them that you are going to be, Israel will become captive to Babylon. Babylon wasn't even on the picture, wasn't even on the radar. It was Assyria at this time. Babylon would be later. But Isaiah is given this prophecy. This is what's going to happen to your people. If you look at the end of chapter 39, it's kind of interesting. The very last verse of chapter 39, it says, Then Hezekiah said to Isaiah, The word of the Lord that you have spoken is good, for he thought there will be peace and security in my days. So the king Hezekiah, he was like, okay, well, that's fine because I won't be affected by this. But these people were going to face captivity. They were going to be in exile. They were going to be pulled away from their homes hundreds of miles away. I think it was like 900 miles or something like that, where they'd be pulled away from their homes and their friends into a foreign land. And Isaiah is telling them, this is what's going to happen to you because of your rebellion, because of your idolatry, because of what you've done against God. But as we turn to chapter 40, we see hope. We see comfort. And I want us, to, for sake of time and for my voice, we're not going to read the whole chapter. And there's so much in here. And I told Pastor Mark, you know, he asked what I was going to speak on. I said Isaiah 40, but not the whole chapter. Because there's so much in here. We could spend a lot of time, several sermons, just on Isaiah 40 alone. But I want to read, starting at verse 21, and then to the end of the, end of the chapter. So Isaiah chapter 40 beginning in verse 21. Again, this is Isaiah speaking. <clears throat> it says, Do you not know? Do you not hear? Has it not been told to you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the fountain, foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in, who brings princes to nothing and makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness, Verse 24, scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown, scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth. When he blows on them and they wither, and the tempest carries them off like stubble. Verse 25, to whom then will you compare me, talking about God, that I should be like him, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these, who brings out their, their host by number, calling them all by name. By the greatness of his might, and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God? Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint 
And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for the opportunity we have to be together, to fellowship. Thank you for the breakfast and the fellowship time we have. We thank you for this time as well, Lord, as we open your word, as we read it, as we take what you have for us and apply it to our lives, as you give us reminders of who you are, the awesomeness of you, the majesty, the holiness, the perfectness. Lord, I pray that you would use this time to speak to our hearts. I pray, Lord, that you would work in my life as well, in my heart, as we, as we look at your text, as we draw out the things that you have for us today. Thank you for a God that loves us, that hears our prayers even now as we call out to you. In your name we pray. Amen. So as we read those verses, and I, I know we skipped the first 20 verses, but I want us to look at three, I have three main points for you this morning. The first one is this, is contemplating the Creator. Contemplating the Creator. Thinking deeply about who God is. Who is God? Who is God to you? A.W. Tozer said this about God. He said, or about us, he says, what comes into your minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. When you think of God, when you hear the word God, what comes to your mind? What descriptions, what adjectives, what words come to your mind? So this morning I want us to pull out from this text alone, and there's several, and I, I, I can't even get them all because for sake of time, but the first one I want us to see is that he is a creator. If you're taking notes, uh, under number one I have, they all start with C, and the first one is creator. As we contemplate the creator, the first one is creator. If you look at verse 26, it says, Lift up your eyes on high and see. Who created these? He's talking about the stars. Who, he who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might, and because he is strong in power, catch this, not one is missing. If you drop down to verse 28, he says, Have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord is everlasting God, the creator of of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. So as we think about God, we must contemplate him as the creator. We must realize that he is the creator, as this text and many verses in the Old Testament specifically address that he is the creator. I came across this. It says there are 400 billion stars in our galaxy. 400 billion. And it's estimated, they don't even know how many there are total, but they think there's about 125 billion galaxies. So you take 125 billion galaxies, they say there's about, estimation again, 10 billion trillion stars. 10 billion trillion stars is their estimation. If you go back to verse 26, it says what at the end? It says, not one is missing. He's the creator. He's the perfect creator. He's created everything in this earth, in our galaxy and beyond. He's amazing. As John, John chapter 10 verse 3 says, The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name. And he leads them out. Luke 12, 7 says, The hairs on our head are numbered. He knows the hairs on our heads. The creator is greater and more powerful than the creation. You say, why are you pointing that out? Because I'm pointing that out because if, if God can create everything, he created, it says we're made in his image, right? If he created everything and we're made in his image, then can he help us with things in our life? Can he help us with those struggles, whether that's relationship, financial, sickness, death, the world struggles? The answer is yes. He's our hope. 
And this isn't a hope of like, hey, I wish, like for those young people in here, you, you have this wish at times, like I, I hope, which, we, which means I wish I passed this test, right? That I never studied for, right? Or your car breaks down as an adult and you, th- you think, I hope or I, I, I wish it's not going to cost a lot of money, right? So we use the word hope differently than what the Bible says. This has a, the connotation of assurance. It's going to happen. So when we think of God and we think of him as creator, he's our hope. It's not, I wish God would do this, or I wish God is this person. No, it's who God is. He is hope. The second thing under this first point is he's a comforter. If you look, if you flip back to chapter, I'm sorry, first verse, not chapter, same chapter, chapter 40, verse 1 and 2, we see him as a comforter. This chapter begins, you see the the change. So end of 39, they were telling him, hey, you're going to be captive to Babylon. And then the beginning of chapter 40 says, the very first two words is comfort. Comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. You know, Lacey and I have a kind of a joke when, you know, our boys do something that maybe requires correction. And I'd probably do it more than her, but I say, that's your boy. Right? He, I would never do that. Like, he didn't learn that from me. I wouldn't say that or do that, right? And so I say, or sometimes I'll just, he does something, when I'm going to do something, I'll just point at her, like, that's, that's you. You know, like, he says something a certain way, doesn't, you know, we, we kind of have a joke, like, that's your kid, that's your boy, right? When they do something wrong, when they do something great, it's my kid, right? Right? You all can relate to that. I share that with you because if you look at the very, very first verse, he says, not only does he say comfort, not like a warm, cozy feeling, but he says comfort, give strength, encourage my people, says what? Your God. Think about everything they had done. You think about Israel. They had, they had turned from God. They had worshipped false gods. They had idolatry. They had disobeyed. They had doubted. They had done... You, they had done a number of things against God. And what does he say here? He says, you're God. He's still your God. God hasn't left you. God hasn't forgotten you. He knows what's going to happen. He's predicted it. The prophecy he's given. He's allowed it to happen because of your sin. But he's still your God. And I think that should encourage us. Right? Like we sin. We mess up. But he's still our God. If you notice in verse 2, he says that her, that her iniquity is pardoned. His, their sin is pardoned. And I immediately think of 1 John 1, 9. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from what? All unrighteousness. So when we sin, when we mess up, when we sin against God, he forgives us. Just like as we look back here in chapter 40, he says, comfort, comfort my people, give strength, encourage them. This is your God. If you look at the end of verse 9, that phrase is used again. He says, Behold your God, the Creator, the Comforter. The next thing we see in this text is that He's a counselor. If you would, please look at verse 13 and 14. Same chapter. Who has measured the Spirit of the Lord? Or what man shows Him His counsel? Whom did he consult? And who, made him under, and who made him understand? Who taught him the path of justice and taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? 
Nobody. <laughs> Nobody taught God anything. Nobody gives God wisdom or understanding or knowledge. He is those things. And so when we have trials and hardships in our lives, we can go to the one who gives wisdom. As James 1.5 says, if you, if you lack wisdom, ask for him. He gives it what? Generously. You can't give somebody what you don't have, right? God gives wisdom and he gives it generously. I have a few verses I want to share with you under counselor still. I just share with you James 1.5. This is in 1 Kings. It says, God gave Solomon wisdom and very great insight and a breadth of understanding as measureless as the sand on the seashore. Matthew says this, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And then Proverbs 21.30 says, No wisdom, no understanding, no counsel can avail against the Lord. So when we are in hardships, when we need wisdom, when we need help, who do we go to? We go to God because not only is he the creator and comforter, but as this text alone says, he's the, he's the great counselor. We pray for wisdom. We pray to God to give us wisdom for the things that we're going through, the struggles. And then also we dig into his word and we read his word as it encourages us. The last seed that I have for you under point number one is this, is he's the controller. I, I couldn't decide between controller and champion. I had champion because I just like that sound better. Champion just sounds better. Controller has the ER like the other ones, but... Um, He's the controller or the great champion. There are times in our lives where you feel helpless, I feel helpless, but we know and serve a God who is anything but helpless. He doesn't faint or grow weary. Psalm 121 says this, says that God neither slumbers nor sleeps. You say, what is that, how does that help me? That means when you pray to God, you can pray to him anytime, and he hears you middle of the night when you wake up and you're staring at the ceiling and you're, you're stressed about something and worried about something in your life. You go to the doctor's office and the doctor comes in and tells you something you don't want to hear. You can pray to God and say, God, I need you. I need your help. I need your strength. And he hears our prayers. He hears our requests. He's an everlasting God and his word stands forever. Point number two I want to share with you this morning is this. As we, as we contemplated the creator I want us to reflect on ourselves for just a minute. Reflect on ourselves. Who are we? You know, it can be hard. Um, you know, one of the questions I thought was going to get asked today wasn't, and it was this one, was what is your strengths and weaknesses? That's always a hard question to answer, right? Because on one end, it's like, well, you don't want to seem like you're bragging about something. And then on the other end, you don't want to seem like, well, this guy's a loser. Like, he doesn't do this. Like, you know, but I think another reason it's hard is it can be hard to be honest with ourselves. It can be, it can be hard to be honest with ourselves, especially with our spiritual lives, to examine ourselves and ask ourselves, where am I lacking? Maybe pointing out the strengths is easy to do, maybe, but where am I lacking in my walk with the Lord? And so what I want us to do just for a moment is reflect on ourselves. As we look at this text, it tells us some things about ourselves, I believe. Yes, it was written a long time ago, right? 500-something B.C. But that's the great thing about the Word of God. It applies to us today. If you look with me, please, at verse 27. <clears throat> the second sentence, it says, My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God. You say, what does that mean? He's saying, Israel, why are you saying that God doesn't know what you're going through? 
why are you saying that God doesn't care? That is anything but the truth. God loves you. God cares for you. He just mentioned a few verses earlier that he's still your God. And so he, he's saying the, the, the phrase is, my way is hidden. You think of the, the game hide and seek, right? You played that as a kid or maybe with your kids now or grandkids now. You play hide and seek. Sometimes maybe it feels like God is playing hide and seek with us. But that's not the case. If we can't find God, it's because we're not looking hard enough. It's because we're not drawing close to him. And so what we see here, the nation of Israel, they're asking, God, why have you forgotten us? Why do you not care what we're going through? Then if you go backwards to verse 18 and through 20, let's do 19 and 20. Again, examining ourselves. He says here, an idol in verse 19, a craftsman cast it and a goldsmith overlays it with gold and cast it for silver chains. He who is too impoverished for an offering chooses wood that will not rot. He seeks out a skillful craftsman to set up an idol that will not move. So what is he saying here? Isaiah is saying, sometimes people create idols. Rich people do it. In verse 19, they, they craft it with maybe gold or some type of precious metal. But then verse 20 says, if they're not able to afford that, what do they do? They choose a nice wood that won't rot, and they craft it out of that. And you say, well, I don't craft idols. I don't make idols. You don't. I don't. But we have idols. If we're, if we're really honest with ourselves and examine our lives, there's things in our life that have become an idol. And it could range from anything from a relationship to success at a job to, to money to sports to um, movie stars, sports teams. Um, I think the, the biggest one, for hardest one for a lot of us is this thing right here. It's got everything you could possibly want on it, right? But if we're honest with ourselves, there's things that if we're not careful, there's nothing wrong with those things, right? But it's when we put those things before God, they become an idol. Anything that takes the place of God, takes priority over him, is an idol. Tim Keller has this quote. He said, If you love anything in this world more than God, you will crush that object under the weight of your expectations. Let me read that again. If you love anything in this world more than God, you will crush that object under the weight of your expectations. That could be a physical, materialistic object, or it could be a relationship. It could be a person. It could be any number of things. And so if that is your God, if that's what you're putting all your expectations the weight of everything on this person or that object, you're going to crush it because why? It can't meet your expectations. Only God can meet your expectations. Only God can fulfill you and give you that longing that, you, that you're seeking for in other things. So yes, we don't have wooden and metal idols, so to speak, but there are times when we're not careful. Those things seep into our life and they become something that we are worshiping if we're not careful. Another thing we see about ourselves is that we're weak. Look at verse 29 and 30. He says, He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. You notice that the wording weak and faint in verse 29 and verse 30, that's the same Hebrew word, which means this, failure through loss of natural strength. But then you see in verse 30 the word weary, it means something different. It means this, exhaustion because of the hardness of life. 
exhaustion because of the hardness of life. Life is hard, right? Life is difficult. And sometimes it's easier than others. And sometimes, you know, if we talked in the Q&A, you're on the mountain. Sometimes you're in the valley. Sometimes you're in between. But you have difficulties in your life. Your family, your neighbors, your friends face difficulties. What he says here is that he gives power to the faint. He increases our strength. In verse 30, he says, Even the youths shall faint and be weary. Now, I used to like to play sports. I still like to play sports. I'm just not as quick and fast and good as I used to be. Why? My body's getting older, right? Stuff hurts that didn't hurt before. You work out, and the next morning you're like, oh, that hasn't hurt in a while. I didn't even know I had that. We wear down. Our bodies are only so strong. Whether you are a young athlete or even a military man in the prime of his life, he's saying here, your strength is still not enough for the hardness of life. Eventually, you're going to wear down. Eventually, you're going to need to turn to God for strength. And he's the one that can give it to you. The last point I want to share with you, number three, is anticipating the future. So we've looked at who God is. We've looked at who, our, who ourselves are. We're weak. We have idols at times. We can forget. I want us to look with anticipation to the future. This waiting here is not, like I mentioned earlier, it's not a wishing. It's a confirmation, a, an expectation, anticipating that God will do something. But it also it doesn't mean this. It doesn't mean that we're inactive. We just don't say, well, God's got it. I'm good. Like, he's going to take care of it. I'll do whatever I want. No. What if, what if a farmer did that? If a farmer didn't plant any seed, he didn't take care of his crops, and he just thought, well, it's going to, you know, nature will take care of itself. It'll, it'll take care of everything. He's not going to have a crop, right? Same thing is in our personal life, our spiritual lives is, if we're not reading God's word, if we're not praying, if we're not going to church, if we're not feeding ourselves good things, then you're not going to grow as a Christian. You're not going to grow in your faith, and you're not going to be able to handle life's difficulties the way God has intended you to be able to hold them. We still need to seek God. We need to trust Him. We need to pray. We need to obey. If you look at verse 31, it says, But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. This word renew is interesting because it has with it the meaning of exchanging our weakness, our weakness, the things that we're weak in. We're weak people. We think we're strong, and then the phone rings and the doctor has a bad report, or somebody was in a bad accident, or the boss calls you in the office and says, hey, you got two weeks left. And then what happens? We're strong, we're mighty, but then it's like, oh, we're not as strong as we thought we were. Now life has hit us really hard like a hurricane. What are we going to do? This word renew has it, the meaning of exchanging, taking off of clothing, so to speak. You exchange your weakness for his power. You exchange your weakness for his power. Warren Wearsby is, is a brilliant man of God, has commentaries, wrote some books. He says this, he says, God enables us to soar when there is a crisis, to run when the challenges are many, and to walk faithfully in the day-by-day demands of life. 
it is much harder to walk in the ordinary pressures of life than to fly like an eagle in the times of crisis. If you notice verse 31, you have mount up with wings like eagles, run and not be weary, and walk and not faint. It kind of descends, right? It's not flipped. If you flip it around the other way, it would be walking, running, and then soaring. But Isaiah gives it to us in a different way. He says, you're going to mount up with wings like eagles. Eagles are very interesting creatures. I don't know if you have studied them much. Very strong, very powerful. The eyesight is amazing. I I heard something the other day that said they can see their prey from two miles away. And they have like three eyelids. And they they shed feathers. Like if a feather gets damaged, they can shed shed it and then grow back another one. Which is pretty amazing. So the eagles are amazing creatures. But one of the things about the eagle also that it can do that other animals can't do is it, it, can, it can elevate above a storm. You say, why would it do that? Well, it knows what's on the other side of the storm. It knows that it's clear on the other side. And they can sense it. They can sense when a storm is coming. And they will elevate thousands and thousands of feet in the air above the storm. And the winds from the storm will actually carry them through the storm. And they don't even really have to flap. They just kind of soar. I didn't know that. And so as we think of that and we look at this text, as as he goes from kind of a descent, we see that God is wanting to elevate us above the storm. He's wanting to to pull us through the storm, to get us through that hardship. Now, it doesn't, I'm not trying to downplay what, what, maybe you're going through something right now. I'm not trying to downplay the things that you're going through now or been through or you'll face tomorrow or next year. But we have hope that when we face that storm, when we face that difficulty, that God can pull us through it, that God will get us through it if we allow him. You know, one of the things I've shared with Pastor Mark in um, what we've been going through, um, the word, God has just been bringing the word embrace. Embrace. Embrace the hurt. Embrace the pain. Embrace what you're going through, your family's going through. Why? Because it's going to make us stronger. It's going to make us more like Christ. It's going to draw us closer to him. Because when hurt happens, what do we do? We give it to stiff arm. We don't, we don't want anything to do with that. No, I don't want the hurt. I don't want the pain. I don't want the hardship in my family, my friends, my neighbors, or my life. Let's keep it over there. As we keep it over there, we're not growing. We're not growing closer to the Lord. We're, not, we're, we're trying to separate ourselves from the storm and not be in the storm and above the storm. I want to share a couple of verses with you and then I want to finish. This verse is one of my favorite verses. Hebrews 13, 5, the, end, the second part of it says this. It says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. As we stay in this text, I want to point out one more verse. Look at verse 25, please. We read this earlier, but I want to point it out. Verse 25 says this. To whom then will you compare me that I should be like him, says the Holy One. There's, you can't compare God to anybody. He's uncomparable. His wisdom is unsearchable. His understanding is unmatched. And you say, why are you sharing that? I'm sharing that because when you go through hardships, when you're going through trials, yes, it's good to have friends and it's good to have resources, but if you don't have God, you don't have the best thing of all. You, got to, you have to turn to God. He's the only one that's going to pull you through it. Yes, your friends and your family and Maybe your coworkers can help you through things and get you through things, but they're not God. 
They, they are maybe a help and aid. They're not to, to supplement, to, to take the place of God. God is the only one that's going to help you through that, that struggle that you're in. And I, don't, I, don't know, you know, I don't know what you're going through right now. Maybe you're, in the, maybe you're in the middle of something right now and you are struggling and you don't know what to do, where to turn. Let me encourage you in this. Go back and read Isaiah 40 and see. And there's a lot of, that I didn't even pull out that you can see how God is awesome, amazing, and powerful. And he can help you in those times of, of your struggles in your life. As I mentioned earlier, turn to Psalms and read through the book of Psalms. It will encourage your, your heart and your spirit. You know, I want to read this. I think it's important. If you've studied the life of Job, very interesting. Um, so Job, this is near the end. Verse, this is chapter 38. You don't have to turn there. I just want to read a few verses. But it's Job 38. He gives God an answer. And God just sits back and he lets him talk. And then my, the title in my Bible says, The Lord Answers Job. So he let him talk, let him share his heart, what he thought was right. And now God's turn. He says this. He's talking to Job. He says, Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched out the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst out from the womb? When I made clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band and prescribed limits for it and set bars and doors and said, Thus far shall you come and no farther. And here shall your proud waves be stayed. Verse 12 says this, Have you commanded the morning since your days began and caused the dawn to know its place? And it goes on for quite a while. But God's answer to Job is this, You think you know. You think you understand. You think you have the answers. But he's reminding him who God is. And he says, Where were you when I created the earth? Where were you when I did all these things? Surely you have understanding. And the answer is, of course, no, he doesn't have understanding because he's not God. And I share that with you this morning to hopefully encourage you that whatever it is that you're going through, that you have a God that not only just is the creator, but he's the comforter and he's the champion. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for how it works in our lives. How you use it to mold us and shape us and teach us and grow us to be more like you. Lord, I thank you for this chapter specifically as you have taught me many things in just preparation for today. How you have grown me, how you have, have shared things with me. Lord, we are weak. We are forgetful. And Lord, if we're honest, there are times where things in our lives are idols. Lord, I pray that you would work in our hearts this morning, that you would help us to realize that, Lord, you are the most important thing. You are the most powerful thing. You are the only thing that's going to get us through our hardships. You're the only thing that's going to bring us comfort in times of struggles. And Lord, I, I don't know what what each person in here is going through. Lord, I know there's, there's probably many things right now. Lord, I pray that you would help that person in this moment to cast it to you. They would cast their cares to you, their anxiety, their fears, their doubts. They would give it to you. 
and they would trust in you. Because, Lord, we know that you are faithful and you will help us, you will strengthen us. You are a tower and our refuge. For that, we give you honor, glory, and praise. And it's your name we pray. Amen.